I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. As someone who is so excited to garden this spring, yet really wants top quality soil, I'm really excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine, which is an esteemed brand renowned for its organic soil offerings. And if you're seeking to infuse your home environment with a nourishing essence that promotes flourishing plant life, you're going to want to listen to this because with over 28 years of expertise, Coast of Maine has meticulously crafted soils sourced from oceanic waters and farms certified for organic cultivation. It's so nice to find such a sustainable sustainable, eco-friendly brand who really emphasizes the importance of natural ingredients to enrich their soil. And I mean, they have, like I said, top quality with rigorous quality control and OMRI listed certification. Their diverse range of products caters to all gardening needs. Most of our soils may lack appropriate nutrients for success for our plants and our plants need this. We want to regenerate the healthy microbes in our soils to set up for gardening success and just for our plants to thrive. So if we add Coast of Maine products, this will indeed help. Whether you're planting trees or shrubs or perennials in your yard, adding Coast of Maine soil in your planting holes leads to a long, slow feeding of your plants, making them self-sufficient and vibrant, which we love. Let's say you want a vegetable garden, 
Not only will you receive abundant harvest, but there will be less feeding and maintenance throughout the season. Amazing. You know that everything grown in Coast of Maine soil is organic and safe for your family and friends right out of the garden. And then you get to also feel good about their sourcing as I'm so thankful they provide natural ingredients because they will never include household waste or biosolids. And we know that nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, cultivated from products and practices rooted in coast of Maine. And so they will continually perfect the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and the place that inspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. We love supporting local and the products are carried by local retail partners who can provide advice and insight not found in big box stores. So Coast of Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community of gardeners everywhere. And their products make organic gardening simple and approachable so we can all garden. So let's get to growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. That's Coast of Maine, like the state with an E, Coast of dot what happens is there's a higher intelligence that comes through and it's not the intelligence of the mind and the ego it's the intelligence of the intuition and just by quieting your ego and saying i don't know the answer you know i'm going to admit that i don't know and i'm okay with that and you can kind of feel your way through life and that's kind of the difference between the ego and the higher self is like i don't know but i feel and i'm going to follow that feeling and see where it takes me now let the magic begin. Hello, Soul Tribe. It's Raquel, and I am in the land of the Scottish. Yep, it's my last week in the UK. <laughs> Till I come back next year, early next year, in which I intend to spend more time here in Scotland specifically because, well, Two words, beauty and roots. Truly, truly a magical and mystical land where you really think that a fairy is gonna pop out at any corner, <laughs> behind any tree. And no wonder that there are so many amazing fictional stories told here and because they were created here. No wonder so many writers and spiritualists are drawn to this land. It's nothing like I've ever seen before and it's so sacred. It's not overexposed or tainted in the world. Let's hope that we keep it that way, but I really encourage you to travel here and to experience this land. And I've traveled to and I've lived in some of the most beautiful places on earth. And this is just nothing like I've ever seen before. Plus, I've been able to deeply connect and communicate with this land, the lakes, they call them the locks, the rivers, the waterfalls, the trees, and the flowers, and the berries that are on the bushes, and the highland cows, the hairy cows, and deer, and sheep, 
and the rainy moments and sunbeam moments because it seems the weather just can't make up its mind at times. <laughs> oh, and my roots. I feel it whenever I wander, wherever I step, I wonder if the footsteps that I'm taking are also where my ancestors place their feet. And I wonder if I've had any past life experiences here. Okay, <laughs> that's funny. Wonder, no, no, I just know. I know, I know I have. It's, it's a knowing. My clan, my lineage are from the highlands of Scotland and it was just beyond anything that I could describe as I would trek through their trails in silence, listening to the song of the land. I've never, ever encountered such a familiar experience like it, and I'm so excited to at least share this bit of it with you here, verbally, audibly. And I hope that you also follow this same curiosity of where you come from. I mean, perhaps you are blessed to live in the land of your lineage, or maybe you've traveled there. And it's just that deep, intimate, nurturing, warm, and familiar feeling that is so gifting. And if you know where the land of where you come from, or the lands where you come from, but you haven't had the chance to travel there, well, I implore you to, to get not only a greater understanding of where you come from, but a greater understanding of your soul and your soul in this human experience. It's powerful. It's so profound. And here I was on a shamanic journey in Westeros just to learn shamanic practices on how to connect with and communicate with the land. So there are so many takeaways, but I want to give you one tool out of the many just to not overwhelm you and one tool where you can truly practice anywhere you are on earth if you're in a big city go find a park if you are in the countryside you have probably a lot of opportunity to find a quiet space with just you and nature i want to share this one tool with you now something to dip your toes into literally and figuratively tomorrow morning so walk in silence and maybe with a friend or family member if you don't want to go alone but walk in silence in a space where it's just you and perhaps the person you're with in nature and maybe you have a river or a lake you can dip your toe in the water or your finger or just find a green space and place your bare feet on the ground and if it's snowing and too cold or rainy where you are that's fine to just be and embrace the presence of where you're at outside in the middle of nature and to begin simply by saying out loud your gratitude for the sun beaming down on you and keeping you warm or the cloud and rain for nourishing the plants around you and the moon for bringing light in the darkness at night or the breeze and the living beings and wild creatures that live in this space and just all the nature you see and it takes time because you really 
fully pay gratitude to everything you see and simply just that morning practice will shift your entire day and make you feel more grounded and connected to the world around you and gratitude and pure love has so much power holds so much power to mama earth have you ever heard of the experiment crystal japanese experiment i won't get into too much detail but i highly encourage that you read about this and see the different crystals and their reactions for the water and crystals that were blessed and they were given an expression of love and gratitude the crystals would create this beautiful unique snowflake shape and then the water that was either abused or ignored or verbally harmed and the crystal would become distorted and not look not look so lovely <laughs> so that just makes me think imagine the more people that truly find a deep love and gratitude daily for Mama Earth, the simplicity of just gratitude, just imagine how she would do her best to keep us safe away from all the storms and the tsunamis and the wildfires and hurricanes. Ugh. Well, that is a great segue into this episode's guest, James McRae, who lost everything when he became homeless after Hurricane Sandy. This led him on an awakening path to distinguish the fear and untruths of his own ego voice, which he talks all about in this episode and how you can hear and shift that shit that your ego says. And his book, Shit Your Ego Says, explores the inner battle between the ego and the higher self. He's so great. I really had such a great time talking with James. He's so, so, so fun and truly an incredible and inspiring walking light. I can't wait for you to listen and I hope this episode helps you let go of all those fears and doubts and uncertainty and lies and shit that your ego says. So before we get into James though, I want to share some of the amazing stuff the reviews say by sharing the yummy review of the week, truly a soul sister with a black heart emoji by Nikki O Indigo. I love that name. And Nikki O writes, the genuine loving kindness that is the vibe of the podcast is truly lovely. The honesty paired with sweetness and gratitude expressed here inspires me to stay open, present, and so thankful for the miracles of existence and the human experience, even when that experience can be crap. Just thank you. It's a beautiful thing to create and hold such an open, heart-centered space that we get to share in and be inspired by. Mm. Just Thank you, Nikio Indigo, for this review. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're a light in this space and part of this tribe. I am also so happy to be part of this space with all of you who simply just want a place to connect with this small niche of spiritualists who simply are just curious about not only this human experience, no matter if we're having a high or crap time, but find out what lies beyond this human experience. So this review means the world to me. Thank you so much. And I'm so thankful for all your reviews and your ratings and feel free to leave yours. And perhaps I may share your review in an upcoming episode. And regardless, if you send it to hello at yourownmagic.life, you will receive a free guided meditation, meditative imagining by me, 
usually exclusive to the soul tribe on the website yourownmagic.life and then also enter you for a hum nutrition giveaway and last thing this is for my creative talented entrepreneurial spirited and or just simply curious soul driver well allow me to gift you will actually allow Skillshare to gift you a little practical tool for the next two months at the small pocket price of 99 cents, a tool to help you develop the skills you need to thrive in whatever your vision may be. And I've shared this before. I'm taking a few skill enhancement courses right now, a creative writing masterclass and a portrait photography class, but there's so much more on Skillshare. There's creative courses like illustration or business courses like entrepreneurship and even tech courses for you tech geeks out there, <laughs> and culinary courses, and health and wellness courses, just to name a few, just to name a few. But best part, I get to learn something new every day to expand my mind. And there's over 20,000 courses at our fingertips, tribe, so we can learn new skills and strengthen the passion of whatever we intend to pursue. You must at least take a peek. I mean, it's just 99 cents for two months. <laughs> That's right. Skillshare is gifting you two months to take as many courses as you darn well please for only 99 cents when you use the special link skillshare.com forward slash magic. Again, that's Skillshare.com forward slash magic to start your two months today. And now it is time to let the magic begin with James McRae. Oh, James, James, James. I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm truly honored too. And I love, love, love your book, Shit Your Ego Says. And I love that it's not only part guidebook, you know, full of wisdom to help us let go and overthrow all the silly things that our ego just loves to share with us. <laughs> but it's also part memoir full of treasures of stories from your journey when you met your ego, or I guess I should say, rather you recognize and distinguished your ego for the first time. And I love the seeds of metaphors and poems and allegories that you sprinkled throughout the book. To weave together this poetic story with the shit that your ego says. Totally. It's brilliant. Thank you so much for that description. I love that. Like, I figured there was more than enough kind of self help books out there that were like guidebooks and giving you steps and techniques and what have you. Like, that stuff is all fine and good. But I feel like just like the honesty of personal experience, like, don't just give me steps, but really show me how you came to that and what it means to your life through your own personal experience and through storytelling and even poetry. Like for me, as a lover of books and a lover of writing in general, um, I much rather kind of read and write in like narrative, engaging um, writing than just kind of giving people tips and tricks. I love it. I love it. And you're such a great storyteller. And I felt more connected with you in that way because you told your story. And your story truly amazes me. You're, you amaze me. You moved from Minnesota to New York and then the good old Hurricane Sandy came <laughs> Yeah, just, just when you moved there. And then you were homeless. 
Yeah, a little unexpected. (laughs) It was a little unexpected, truly stored by the hurricane. And then you could have gone back to Minnesota, but it's interesting that you chose another direction toward Curebra. I don't know how to pronounce it. You totally got it. I did? Yes. Yes. (laughs) But in Puerto Rico, right? With almost nothing. And so do you mind sharing the story that led you on this path and sparked this book? Yeah, totally. I mean, you said that I have an amazing story, but I I truly believe that everyone has an amazing story that they're either living or waiting to live. Um, That's not unique to me. I think that life is kind of like Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. Like we all have um, a journey that we're kind of meant to embark upon. And all we have to do is, you know, say yes to that journey. And then our own story will start to unfold. So really all, all I did, I'm from a small town in Minnesota called Redwood Falls, population about 5,000 people. Um, (laughs) Beautiful people, great town. The Midwest is the salt of the earth. Um, And I'm really happy for like everything that that part of the country gave me. Um, But at a certain point, there was always like an inkling since I was, you know, a teenager and discovered probably the, the beat generation, Allen Ginsberg, William Burroughs, Jack Kerouac, and them writing about New York. It kind of gave me a window into what else was out there outside of my, you know, small town. And I always just kind of knew like, there's this place called New York that's out there and writers live there. And don't know when, don't know how, but I just kind of saw myself there. So fast forward 2012 and the stars kind of aligned. It was actually funny. I was with a girlfriend at the time and we were going to move to New York together because she was going to law school. So it just felt right. I wasn't happy with my job. The stars were kind of aligned. I'm like, finally moving to New York. Well, the relationship didn't quite make it that far, but it did give me that kick in the butt to be like, I'm moving to New York now. So I just continued on that path and did it anyway. And it took a lot of kind of trust and faith to do that because you know, I, I had been to New York, but I didn't live there. You know, it's different to work in New York and get a job there. It's just a different ball game. So I really trusted myself. I, I kept reminding myself, like, don't worry about how, just believe. Don't worry about how, just believe. And I really just kind of like repeated that as my own personal mantra. And I did it. And you think, you know, you read all these stories of, you know, um, self-help, you know, um, stories about, you know, uh, take a leap of faith and, you know, the universe has your back and, you know, the universe will support you if you, um, you know, follow your dreams or or whatever. And, you know, that's kind of what I thought and hoped would happen. So then, you know, within a month in New York, I would, I had just gotten my first apartment, still didn't have a job. And Hurricane Sandy comes along, uh, knocks out lower Manhattan, destroys my apartment. And here I was without a job, without really a foundation in New York. And suddenly I was homeless. And I'm like, really, this is what it means 
when the universe has your back, like I, I take a leap of faith, get outside my comfort zone. And this is how the universe <laughs> rewards me. Like, Oh, great. Thanks a lot. And I really started to doubt, you know, whether or not I was on a path or, you know, I, was, I thought I was being guided and my life had kind of led me to this point. And now suddenly I'm like, well, crap, like, I don't know if this is going to work out. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you know, the, 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 the lesson that I, that I learned is that when um, the house I had in New York was like a little beach house on this island called Broad Channel on the bottom of Queens. And I thought it was so cool I was going to be living on this beach house. But it wasn't meant to be. And the lesson I learned was, hey, when the universe takes away your beach house, uh, find a bigger beach. So, so brilliant. So I ended up <laughs> just through like a friend of a friend had this little, I guess, kind of cottage on this small island called Culebra that's 17 miles east of Puerto Rico. And it was uninhabited. And my friend and I, who had both kind of lost our apartment in the hurricane, were like, we don't know where else to go. Plane tickets to Puerto Rico are super cheap. Let's just go to move into this little cottage and like figure it out because New York was kind of in chaos at that time and I didn't have anywhere to stay. So here I am like on this island, you know, th- you know, thinking that I am a failure. Just like, why did I think, why did I quit my job? Like, why did I give up my apartment? Like I had a good life set up in Minneapolis. Like I ruined it. And, you know, I, I kind of realized I was left alone with my own thoughts because there was nothing else around me. There was no stimulus. It was a really silent, meditative place. And I had nothing to do but be alone with myself. And I realized that, you know, my whole life I had kind of been running from something. I had been running from um, my fears. I had been running to this idea of success that society had kind of defined for me, whether it's through making money or or having a certain status or job title, whatever it was. And I had kind of reached the end of the road and there was nowhere left to run. And I was really had a lot of negative thoughts, but the longer I sat with myself, I came to recognize that these thoughts were not actually me. They were not representative of my true self. They were just the voice of my ego. And the longer I sat with myself and the longer I listened to what came to me, I recognized that there was a quieter voice. There was a softer voice that was different from my ego. And I recognized this voice as being my higher self. And my higher self reassured me that everything happens for a reason, that this isn't a mistake that this is part of my path, part of my own story. And I just needed to lean into the experience, lean into the uncertainty and trust where I was going and trust the moment. And that shift made all the difference. And it really turned around, you know, how I saw myself, how I saw the world. And then lo and behold, that ends up being my book is shit your ego says and it kind of the 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 start of the book is me homeless on the island and you know what i had thought was the universe turning its back on me and leaving me homeless 
was actually the universe giving me the experience I needed to write this book, to become an author, and to do the things that, you know, I really wanted to do. I mean, you did ask for that dream. And so they made it happen somehow. They gave you, the universe gave you a great story, which I'm sure being alone and being homeless with yourself was the most profound way for you, the best way for you to truly listen and hear your truest self and then coming to that realization during this time and you don't realize it nobody realizes it in the moment when they feel alone and isolated and that the universe or god took everything away but if they could just listen for a moment and maybe see the glimmer in all of this and so you shifted your perspective of yourself and the world and you found that bigger beach which is basically a huge part of the story and a common motif throughout your entire book is this acknowledgement of the fact that we all wear a different lens of perception and we're able to shift it. Like I loved your example, if you were to walk into a room with someone, your reality is subjective and influenced by the world that you've created and the stories that you've told yourself, which are far different or perhaps similar to my own, which you know we could not really measure or know for sure. And right now during our conversation, your feelings and interpretation of what's going on is probably completely different than mine, along with the listeners right now who are listening and gathering what we say and forming their own feelings and thoughts and opinions around this. But now let's say that somebody is at that low, low, like you were on that beach before you listened and you quieted your mind. Let's say someone is homeless and everything is ripped away, yet their chatter is so, so loud. How can we change their reality in some way or how can they allow themselves to silence that chatter that is so so loud to see truth or the higher perspective and have a higher happier vibration and inter- interpretation of the reality that is in front of them totally that's a, such a great question um we don't we don't usually see the opportunities in front of us because we're so insistent on things happening to us our way. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yep. That's the ego is like, I want this to happen. I expect this promotion. I expect this relationship. And when that promotion and that relationship doesn't happen, you automatically go into victim mode, into blame mode. And you're saying, oh, this is, this is stupid. This is bullshit. Like, the world isn't fair, you know, I'm working for this, whatever it might be. That's just the wrong way of looking at it. It's, it's not about what happens to you. What happens to you doesn't matter nearly as much as how you react to what happens to you. Because everything is your teacher. Everything in life is a teacher. Everything in life is an oracle. Everything in life is in your life as a guide that's pointing you in a certain direction. If you didn't get the promotion, if you didn't get the job you wanted, you didn't get the relationship you wanted, it wasn't the right timing or it wasn't the right thing for you at that time. You know, failures, quote, failures are often rerouting you to something better, something more appropriate or better timing. Like we were so egotistical and cocky to think that we know exactly what we want, what we should have, and what's best for us. 
And the truth is like, we don't always know that. Like we're like children, like people are like children in a lot of ways. And there could be a baby that's crying and crying and crying because it doesn't get any more ice cream. And, you know, the ice cream at a certain point, you know, try some of it, but at a certain point, it's not good for the child to have more and more and more. The baby doesn't know that. So it's upset. That happens to us all the time. It's like, I wanted that. I wanted that. And it's like, yeah, but maybe you shouldn't have that right now for reasons beyond your understanding. Yes. If we set our expectations to believe that we deserve something, we are also limiting ourselves from something that the universe wants to gift us that is even greater, far beyond what we can comprehend right now. And that's why those failures, those doors that seem to close are actually opening us up as long as we have faith to something that is even more beautiful, more profound. It's interesting how some of our our greatest hardships can also be our greatest blessings. Right. And, and you said it really well a minute ago when you were talking about kind of the nature of reality. And every person is kind of tuned into a different tunnel of reality. I'll, I'll use a term called ultimate reality. Like, let's just assume that there is a one reality that is kind of real and true. Our intelligence, I'm sorry, like people are smart, obviously, like we're incredibly sophisticated uh, monkeys. <laughs> yeah. but, but like in reality, our intelligence is in the grand scheme of the universe. It's so small. You know, we only understand a tiny piece of reality and, and science, you know, science has come so far, but I truly believe that science is only in its infant stages of really, truly understanding what the nature of reality is, what the nature of the universe is, the nature of the human mind, the human spirit. You know, there's so much we don't know. Absolutely. And exactly. So our our senses, even our five senses, our five um, senses of perception are limited because, you know, there are, there's an entire light spectrum that exists beyond visible light. There's an entire audio spectrum that exists beyond our ability to hear. So th- th- there is all kinds of elements of reality that we're not tuned into. So I think it's really important to not take your own understanding too seriously. Like the ego... The ego likes to have the answer, right? The ego likes to think like, I know the answer and it's this. And the ego is afraid of uncertainty. So it tends just to kind of grasp whatever answer it can get its hands on. So it feels more secure. It's so valuable to let go of the need to know, to let go of the need to understand and just try to be comfortable being uncertain, to try to be comfortable not knowing the answer. And as I've done that, what happens is there's actually like a higher intelligence that kind of comes through. And it's not the intelligence of the mind and the ego, it's the intelligence of the intuition. And just by quieting your ego and saying, I don't know the answer. You know, I'm gonna admit that I don't know and I'm okay with that. It's crazy how your intuition kicks in and you can start to feel something that you are maybe not capable of understanding and you can kind of feel your way through life. And that's kind of the difference between the ego and the higher self is like, I don't know, but I feel and I'm going to follow that feeling and see where it takes me. 
Oh, that is such a profound message for everybody to hear, to really, really hear. And hopefully maybe if you are experiencing some pain, just perhaps, perhaps have a little glimmer of hope that maybe this is bringing you towards something of greater light that you just can't even fathom right now because we have such a narrow scope and perspective of what our reality is, which, which I love that you mentioned in your book, by the way, uh, Plato's allegory of the cave. Yeah, totally. Oh, it's so brilliant. When you put that in there, I was like, yes, because I've talked about this too. And, you know, people, they were spending their lives with their heads chained, facing a wall, and they didn't know any better except for seeing these shadows of others. And they saw that as true as their reality because they only had that perspective of focus. And it's truly not only a representation of how people fully commit to their beliefs and these half-truths as a matter of fact or as a whole truth due to their limited perception of the only reality that they are able to see. But we we all fall to this. And, you know, there is so much more to the world, so many more truths that we haven't had the capacity to fully see or tap into in our own limited perspective. Everybody. So, Therefore, if we can't see it, you know, we end up meeting it with skepticism, like you say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that, yes, Plato, when he wrote The Allegory of the Cave, was was making, I feel, a deeply spiritual point. And, you know, he was a philosopher, not a, you know, a spiritual person per se, but he was he was pointing to something very important, which is that he was comparing the the physical reality the material world to a shadow on the wall of a cave and just like the people in the cave looked at the cave wall and saw shadows and thought oh that's what reality is reality is shadows on the wall like this is it <laughs> like that's it this is yeah. shadows on the wall of the cave and like someone might say oh i i believe that there are people behind us making those shadows and they would say oh that's crazy that's not science like we don't know that and the truth was, of course, the shadows aren't reality. There are people behind making the shadows on the wall, which is a, something that they couldn't see or understand. Dear coffee lovers, and even non-coffee drinking tribers, so listen up. Short interruption, because I just want to thank our sponsor, Four Sigmatic. And for the few of you that may not be aware of Four Sigmatic's existence, well, your life is about to change. But if you have heard these ads and you haven't tried Four Sigmatic yet, I don't know what you're doing. You're missing out. They are so magical because here I introduced the power of drinking your own magic mushrooms. Just adding these magical elixirs frees coffee drinkers from all the jitters and crashes and annoying stomach issues that our bodies experience if we drink too much coffee or even if we just have one cup. So you can add it to your coffees or perhaps just drink the magical elixirs alone. You may enhance your morning routine by mixing mushrooms in your coffee. I also like to sip on mushroom matcha in the afternoon and then at night, simply chill out with their liquid yoga elixir, aka their reishi. 
elixir, but my favorite, my ultimate favorite one is Lion's Mane. This one is used by Buddhist monks to enhance focus during meditation. So of course, that is my main one. For Sigmatic is gifting the Soul Tribe 15% off, so click on the link in the show notes or go to foursigmatic.com forward slash soul tribe. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com forward slash soul tribe and enter the discount code soul tribe s-o-u-l-t-r-i-b-e one word no spaces soul tribe for 15 percent off your magical coffee and mushroom elixir order soul freaking delicious enjoy well he's comparing the physical world is a shadow where is this coming from what is the you know energetic truth behind the shadow of the physical world and uh, it's such a great question and we don't know yet because like i said science is so new to human Mm -hmm. thought and like i think that you know you, you look back at religions of the past and they were proclaiming what was creating the shadows you know what was creating the physical world and everyone had a different answer it was it was the gods it was the one god it was you know various higher spirits maybe it was the sun god whatever it was they were creating these stories and metaphors for what was creating the shadows and when science came along we kind of did away with those metaphors because we're like, those are just stories. Those aren't true. Let's stop talking about them. Let's focus on the facts. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that's good and bad because I think science is important. I think it's important to have a, you know, scientifically test what we know. So we, so we do know and we're not guessing. So, but we, there was a power in those stories that I think we lost because those stories about God and gods and and different higher powers, those weren't meant to be science. Those were, in my perspective, those were literature. Those were poetry. Those were um, myth. And there's important lessons to learn from myth. And I think that being overly dependent on things like science and economics and politics and very material things we're losing our connection to this truth that we used to find in myth. Mm -hmm. And I do think that science will eventually get better and better and better and eventually start to prove the existence of something beyond ourselves. The idea of a consciousness that continues after death. I, I really do believe that science will eventually prove that it could be next year it could be in a hundred years i don't know but in the meantime i do think it's important to remember the stories of our past and the myths of our past and to remember that let's not get too serious in knowing exactly what god is because we don't know the nature of the true nature of the metaphysical reality but let's not discount that it's there and let's not discount that, that we can tap into that power um, when we need to. 
Yes, and surrender to that power, which actually you wrote um, fear and imagination equal worry. I loved, love, love that you addressed this in your book. I know sometimes I've worried about, am I doing enough? Am I creating enough? Am I eating enough, exercising enough, sharing enough? And of course, (laughs) the classic egoic thought that, you know, just likes to linger in my mind here and there, am I enough? And sometimes we all get so consumed by this worry that we end up shaking our heads at ourselves when we realize that, you know, there was really nothing to worry about in the first place, or we manifest what we focus our attention heavily on, what we worried about, we end up just manifesting it. So how do we shift this worried mind and these assumptions that the ego is feeding us to be at peace with uncertainty? Totally. I mean, yeah, so I, I, I was kind of making the argument that I, I truly believe that it is our nature to imagine, to be dreamers, you know, um, not every second of the day, we, you know, don't, ima- don't imagine that you're brushing your teeth, you know, actually do it. Please do but, that. <laughs> <laughs> for the love of God, brush your teeth. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I do think that daydreaming, uh, dreaming, imagining, um, letting your mind wander. I think this stuff is super important to our psyche. Um, the same way sleep is important. If we don't allow ourselves to imagine, there's going to be repercussions. And what I think those repercussions are is when you don't allow yourself to imagine consciously, um, and to visualize and to, you know, see things beyond what's there, I do think that the subconscious mind will start to imagine on its own, but it'll be imagining through a lens of fear and doubt. And when we allow ourselves to subconsciously imagine through a lens of fear, that's when we start to worry about things. Because I I think that worry is a form of imagination. It's the dark side of imagination. So, it's so, it's so, I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's so profound is that our worries aren't real. You know, worries are a mental construct. And you can tell me all day, if someone's worried, they're going to say, no, 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 no. I'm worried about this, this, and this, and this, and this. And they have very specific reasons. But I think that is a result of being too locked into an intellectual understanding of life and a over an overemphasis on the importance of our circumstances themselves. I mean the truth is that life is not a breeze and it's not supposed to be. Like if you are watching a movie and there's a few characters and they just kind of skip along the the street and everything is fine and and everything is lovely you come to the end of the movie and it's like, that didn't take me anywhere. You know, that, that didn't lead me anywhere. Like what was the point of watching those people skipping down the road for two hours? (laughs) (laughs) What a great film. Like every movie has points. Every, every book, you know, has points of, um, you know, distress of challenge. And that's, that's the nature of stories. That's the nature of, of our lives we face challenges. It's, it's unavoidable. 
but how seriously are we taking those challenges? I mean, if, if, we, if we know that it's part of life and we, in the sense of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, if we, you know, the darkness is the crucial part of that journey. You know, you can't emerge from into a new place. You know, if you want to, if you look at where you are now and look at where you want to be, wherever that is, um, you can't get there. You can't get from here to there without going through some kind of a trial. It's a rite of passage. It's in every story throughout history. So don't, the point is you're going to face challenges, but that's part of the game. That's what makes life interesting. You don't have to take it so seriously. Like life, we tend to take life very seriously because the news is so bad. You know, you look the way that you watch TV or you check Twitter. You know, I deleted my Facebook recently because everything on Facebook was just, you know, like people, you know, arguing and, and political opinions and fear and it was too much, you know. I think it's so important to, to to curate the reality that you let into your world. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't watch the news for that reason. <laughs> exactly. You know, you check the news and it's like, you know, everything. It's like it's like it's like a world war. And 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 you know, here in America, the political sides are so divided. And in in reality, if you look at the facts about human survival and human, you know, um, our ability to feed ourselves and our ability to live longer, based on those metrics, the world has never been better. You know, in, in terms of recorded history, you know, we're living, maybe it was better when we were all, um, you know, hunter gatherers living on the prairie, but now we're living longer. More people are being fed across the world than at any other time. Um, you know, it's the best of times and it's the worst of times. But don't get it confused in thinking that life is inherently a war zone and that we are always um, struggling to survive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, there is a battle. Like we do fight every day, but it doesn't. Ha- it's it's a battle for our own self actualization. It, it's, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's like, it's like we're in the Olympics and we're just competing, you know, win or lose gold medal, silver medal. Like it's just a game. We can enjoy it and we're going to face challenges, but like, what if we just treated them like, um, the challenges that come along during a relay race, as opposed to life and death situations. You just hit a big keyword that I want to talk about in a bit, which is self-actualization. But first, I just have to ask, it's so, so, so important for people to recognize that it's their ego that loves for them to take life too seriously and too heavily. And I love how your girlfriend helped you lighten this up in your life a bit. Um, you read about and how is living with so much seriousness, so much heaviness, more of a choice and a perception than an actual reality? How can we shift this into feeling free and light? Or actually, no, how can we let go of this and surrender? Mm, yeah, great question. I think that the reason the ego, so the ego is, you know, it's so hard to understand, but the ego is really a, um, 
it's a certain aspect of the human mind, right? And there's a, there's a lot of interpretations of the ego, but the ego, as I describe it, you know, it is the kind of active, alert, reactionary part of the mind. Maybe you could call it the the lizard brain, and it's there to alert you. It's there to kind of keep you hyper alert and reactive, and you know, kind of defensive. And the reason it is so loud because if you're not defensive and reactive to what's happening around you, the ego loses its power. So it's you know, it's fighting for its own survival. And that's hard to let go of because it's so loud. It's so like, this is happening. This is, you should be worried about this. You should be reacting to this. And if we don't know better, if we don't know that's our ego, we're going to think like, oh crap, you know, I should be worried. So what I, one of my favorite lines from the book and one of the things that I say all the time is that don't believe everything you think. You know, we are not our thoughts. That's the first thing. We are not our thoughts. Um, I compare it to the ocean. Our thoughts are the waves on the ocean surface. So imagine there's a storm on the ocean and our thoughts are the waves. They're pushing and pulling and crashing. And it's easy for us to identify ourselves with those waves and identify ourselves with our thoughts. And the truth is we are not the waves of the ocean surface. We are the full ocean in its depth. So it's about identifying ourselves as being the depth of the ocean instead of the waves crashing on the surface. And that is the lesson that I have found in meditation and yoga is to separate ourselves from identifying with our thoughts. Now, we, I think it's a mistake to try to make your thoughts go away or to make your ego go away because what we resist will persist. If we try to push away our ego, we try to like get our thoughts away, you know, in a reactionary way, they're going to remain and they might even become stronger. So it's it's not as serious as that. It's just, oh, I see. My mind is afraid right now. Like that's interesting. My mind is afraid. That doesn't mean that I'm in danger or that I, my soul is afraid. It's just my mind. It's like, okay, I'm going to let you be afraid, but I know that that's not me. I know that what I think is not who I am. What I think is not representative of what I, what reality really is. It's just a thought. And the more we practice meditation, the more we practice a breath work, the the easier it becomes to be observers of our own thoughts and worries instead of automatically grabbing them and identifying with them. Tribe, I have something for you that will encourage you to expand your knowledge and skill sets in many creative and business and other lifestyle endeavors. And if you happen to have listened to the intro, well then you may know that I am all about taking courses that fuel me to be better and brighter than I was yesterday and to create my own new magic every day. 
And that's why this sponsor, Skillshare, is so fitting for your own magic as they can help us unleash our own magic and nourish our own skills by either deepening ones that exist or learning new skills that have been hidden within. So from taking a creative writing masterclass so I can finally finish this book for my literary agent to photography so I can take insta-worthy pics of my friends and even entrepreneur courses I now have my eye on and I intend to take, you know, for Yom, for you. I have over 20,000 different courses to choose from. You have over 20,000 courses to choose from for less than a dollar, less than a pound and less than a euro, I believe. So only 99 cents for two whole months. Yes, that is truly a steal. To sign up, go to skillshare.com forward slash magic and make sure you follow the link to get the deal. Again, go to skillshare.com forward slash magic to start your two months now. That's skillshare.com forward slash magic. And if you do this, share it with me and the tribe in the Facebook group and what classes you're taking now, if you'd like, I'd love to know. Some people are still in the camp that the ego is a characteristic within someone who might be trying to show off for approval or they're just extremely power hungry or they want a lot of likes on Instagram. That's what some people might declare that person has a large ego, but we all have this ego within us and it's that voice that may protect us and she can instill fear and doubt. Um, but we with meditation or other spiritual practices can become hyper aware of our own and become that observer and self-actualize. And I know that self-actualization is a big part of your message. And why is this key to finally tapping into our most authentic self and being free from this ego? That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Amen it's a, to that. It's as simple as that. You know, I you know, I'm, I love stories, you know, I love books and movies, and we're all living our own story. And, you know, I don't know where we came from, you know, I don't know where we're going. But I do believe that we're here for, I want to say we're here for a purpose, but we're really here for a, to explore. And, you know, to to achieve something, not achieve something physically or, or, or material, but to grow. Like this is a, um, you could call it a classroom, you know, being alive, you could call it a classroom, you could call it an adventure. Um, but, you know, we are, you know, I've heard it described like the soul comes here to, to grow and to expand and to play a game. Like I I love the I love the definition that I forget who said this. I think it was Alan Watts. Um the all life is it's the idea of God playing hide and seek from itself, herself, himself. <laughs> like wow. we are all we are all God or aspects of some kind of universal consciousness, but we are eternal. So do you know we can do anything go anywhere over the course of eternity. So 
how does life and existence remain interesting when we are universal consciousness forever and ever, right? Like that sounds weird. And like, what does that mean? So Alan Watts said that, you know, we are, you know, aspects of God who have split ourselves up into individual pieces of consciousness to experience reality from this perspective. And that comes with all of the interesting, both beautiful and painful parts of being alive. And we're just kind of exploring that, experiencing that, and coming out on the other end, knowing something different and being like, wow, that was a wild ride. (laughs) Yeah. You know, after a roller coaster ride, you know, roller coaster rides are, I remember the first time I was going on a roller coaster, I was with the Boy Scouts when I was a kid and I was, I was terrified. And our scout leader, um, he said, listen, go on the ride. If you don't like it, I'll give you $5. (laughs) I was a kid and that sounded like a lot of money. So I'm like, I'm in, I'm going to go on it. And I went on the roller coaster and it was up and down and upside down and spinning around and here and there. And it was over and it was so fun. And I think life is kind of like that. It's like, it's all part of the ride. It's all part (laughs) of the story. And at the end we look back and we're like, "Woo, that was, that was cool. (laughs) And we don't, we don't think of the hard stuff. We're like, wow, I see that hard stuff was part of the story. And it's what really fueled me to get where I am now. So I think it's so important just to embrace embrace say yes to it all like say yes to the good stuff say yes to the bad stuff and just you know enjoy the ride enjoy that ride I know one of your bad moments you talked about which now you probably look back on and that definitely looks like a roller coaster ride was when you were in a work environment that you were not too happy with you loved it at first but you felt a sense of fear and resentment and unhappiness toward your work later when you felt caged you said and it affected your creativity which so many people I think right now who are listening can definitely relate to I know in the Facebook group a lot of people say that they want to get out of their jobs and move forward because they're not happy with where they're at but it's so important how you talked about you recognized your beliefs and you even asked yourself what beliefs am I holding that make me feel stuck how do I shift this and what is a higher perspective or that's just exactly what they need to do in that moment. So how do they shift it? And what is a higher perspective to view being in a job that might not light them up anymore? Yeah, definitely. This is, I mean, this is a common problem. If you're listening and you don't like your job, you know, join the club. Like this is (laughs) is very common because I'm sure your audience is spiritual, you're creative, you're all these things, you're sensitive, right? Like we're probably spiritual, sensitive, um, creative people. And it's hard to be that kind of person and then have to day in, day out, go to work with people that don't understand you, right? Like we all relate to that for sure. And it's easy to want to resist that. Like I'm sure... I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to quit my job and move to Maui. Just go. (laughs) 
and like, oh, I can be so much more spiritual in myself if I'm on an island, if I'm have no cares in the world. Oh, it's so funny how people think that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's true. Like that's beautiful, but like, yeah. you're not going to be challenged. Like you're yeah. not going to, you're not going to grow. Like there's a part of that that's escapism. Yep. So I think it's really important to re- is to be in the here and now, you know, some people want to, I've talked to some people who are like, Oh, I, I want to make a difference. And I'm like, great. What do you, what kind of difference do you want to make? Like, oh, I want to go to um, to Africa to help kids there. Well, great. That's really sweet. But like there are mm-hmm. there are people in your daily life. That's what we don't realize is that there are people in our daily life every day that need our help in some way. Like, I don't think it's a it's an accident wherever we are. You know, th- there are coworkers that you're being called to serve. Mm-hmm. Like, think of it as service. Do you love every part of your job? Well, I I doubt it, you know, but how can you reframe your perspective so you are going to stay in the moment and look for ways to serve others? You know, it's like um, some people are in a hospital doing work with sick people. There are people around us all over who are sick spiritually. You know, most people in the world are in some way sick spiritually. How can we help those people? How can we show up for them? How can we be kind every day, even though they don't get it? You know, don't, don't, don't expect anything from anyone else. Just show up for them. Just be that version of yourself that gives love no matter what. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful shift in perspective to be a light and love in their life instead of blaming them as or pointing fingers saying that you are a toxic person in my life and you are angry and unhappy and I can't be around that. Instead, be of love and light and just transform this thought that mm-hmm. they are horrible. It's counterintuitive. Yeah. I have... You know, in the past year, I have um, done a little bit of exploration with psychedelics. Amazing. Whenever I've done that, um, let's take psilocybin, for example. You know, you always think that you're going to um, have some vision of um, your life or your higher self or and you and, and that's all true. But yeah. the but the funny thing is, um, whenever I do any type of psychedelic, the visions that come to me are the people I work with. Hmm, they are the people in my life, my friends, my coworkers, um, and 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 how I need to show up for them, and how there's something important for me to do, um, and I'm doing it already, and it doesn't require me to go to Maui or to, you know, um, go to Africa to help children. You know, I can show up in my life today, here and now, as a servant and as a healer. Yeah. And that changes everything without changing anything. (laughs) That is beautiful. That's amazing. Oh, nature. You know what? I'm going to find it. 
I loved this one poem that you wrote. I loved all the poems, but this one, um, you sprinkled many beautiful poems throughout your book, but this one, nature is a doctor who prescribes our reality. All things are assigned with purpose and care. If nature did not need it, we would not see it. So shine as the sun equally on all that's there. Oh, (laughs) beautiful. Especially the message behind it to always shine our unique light beam on all obstacles, on all people, on everything in our life because it was gifted to us by nature and to, that allows us to be in our nature for whatever reason. So there's no reason to hide it. Yeah, nature is so key. I mean, I've just been realizing this lately because um, I, you know, I like cities. I live in New York City. Yeah. Um, and, I, and that's great, but I, I really am starting to understand the wisdom that nature has for us. Oh, yes. I've been in London just since April, and you know, I was living in Hawaii, and I am ready to go back into nature. Actually, in a couple of weeks, I'll be um, in the highlands of Scotland uh, for a shamanic retreat and just wow. purely in nature. And that's where I just feel so connected and receive the downloads, but really feel that light and love. I notice more, I wouldn't say negative thoughts, but I could get a little judgier here and it's not the city. It's just easier to hear the ego, I think, when you are in a city. But that might just be my own personal story. No, I I think we're all, you know, we're all fighting against the artificial. I think that there's a lot of, you know, cities and um, the whole whole all of society is sort of set up to be artificial, you know, like what is, what is economics and money? What, what, what is politics? Like these are really unnatural things. They don't exist in nature. They're theoretical, they're intellectual. So a city is really the over intellectualization of life. And it's the expression of that. And, you know, that that is the world a lot of us live in but it's so important to remember that this isn't totally real like nature um is real and and we mm-hmm. and we have our own nature within ourselves uh that is real and yes the, there's a lot of kind of intellectualization in the world today and to a degree that's fine but it's so important to remember who we really are, you know, connect with our animalistic nature and our own instincts and intuition, like so, so important. So important. Go back to what we love to experience as children, which I remember you love that you put that in your book, picturing ourselves as children and the expansive imaginations of who we wanted to be you know you you said you that you wanted to be a dinosaur I wanted to (laughs) it's so cute I wanted to be a cartoon and when I finally realized the impossibility of that I was a little bummed but I moved on to a different dream as well like you said you moved on to wanting to be a basketball player or Kobe and Mm -hmm. um me I wanted to be an actress or Julia Roberts or Mm -hmm. Hilary Duff (laughs) And, you know, some things happened in between and those dreams faded away because the ego was like, nope, that's not for you. 
And then <laughs> my next was also to be a writer um, like you. And so I wrote short, short, short stories and screenplays as a little girl. And I would try books too, but never finished. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then there was a point where my ego was just telling me that all of this was not possible. And so I ended up searching for something else. And now you and I finally learned to shush that ego voice. And I'm finally writing a book. And you wrote a, an amazing book about this. And so how can the listeners whose egos are so loud that are that their ego is telling them that they aren't worthy of their dreams or of dreaming, how can they reclaim their dreams? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love the idea of thinking of yourself as a child because yeah. I think that you know we we know a lot more now on some level than we did as children but in on another level we knew so much more back then because we were not kind of conditioned and programmed the way we are now so I think that we are all conditioned and programmed to be a little too quote realistic you know, like your podcast is about magic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people know what to make of that word. <laughs> you know, you're, so true. your listeners do, they get it. They, they're like, yeah. I believe it. You know, I believe in magic, but they, they probably wouldn't say that to most people that they know, because like, what does that mean? Like you're a magician, like you, like abracadabra, <laughs> like you're going to make a, a boat disappear. It's like, well, not exactly, but you know there are when you loosen when you loosen your tight tight restrictions on what you think life can be, just try it you know just don't you don't have to like suddenly go from being totally realistic to believing in magic, but just for the sake of an experiment, just imagine that your dreams were possible. Just entertain the notion. Like I don't, I don't believe that anything is possible unless you it can first be imagined. Like, like any any scientific discovery or new business idea, even the idea of America itself. Like this began as just an idea. Like a, a, a like, what if? Just what if this could happen? And once you have the what if, like what if I could be a writer, you know, just hold that, hold space for the possibility. And then little by little, just feed that space. You know, oh, um, go to events with writers who are giving talks. Then you can see a writer and be like, oh, that person is a writer. Oh, if they did it, then maybe I could do it. You know, meet someone else who wants to be a writer and that makes it a little bit more real. So basically our dreams are, let's use the garden analogy, right? Like a tiny little seed is the imagination. It doesn't end there, but it starts there. You plant the seed, just holding space for the possibility. And then little by little, just water it. Just think about it a little bit more. Maybe have a little more faith in it. And water it a little bit more every day. Just try. And, you know, before you know it, it becomes the more attention you give something, 
the more real it becomes. So do we want to give attention to our dreams or do we want to give attention to our fears? It's up to us. We just need to choose to give attention to our dreams. And gradually that grows and grows and grows. And what we don't give our attention to, our fears, gradually starts to to diminish. Mm. And what really, really (laughs) blocks us is when we give our attention to the fear of being judged. And whether it's external or internal, we might judge ourselves. And that blocks us from living our dreams and allowing our imagination to run wild with what we could potentially do. Yeah. But the people that matter won't judge you. Yeah. Like if they judge you, like they're not worth your time. Like haters are going to exist no matter where you are. And the more you, the more you kind of go on your path, the more haters are, you're going to find big big deal. Yes. And that that's oh. sometimes when I'm like, oh, that just means I'm doing something right. <laughs> totally. So you've got you find your tribe, you know, like you if you find you know, your tribe. Totally. And you and you and value their 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 opinion and no one else's. Absolutely. And then we all embrace ourselves and our weirdness. In fact, you even had a chapter on weirdness. Yes. Uh, I, which I loved because everybody is weird. And why is it just not only okay to embrace our weirdness and our imperfections and our inner genius? How does that give us the freedom to develop our own magic, our own yeah. unique genius and let go of all those fears? Yeah, because there is no such thing as normal. Like we are conditioned to think, oh, okay, I like high school kids and like middle school kids – they're all terrified of being weird, right? It's like, uh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear the exact same white polo shirt and khakis because everyone else is. And I'm going to try really hard to not, you know, look different because then people are going to laugh at me. But you know what? When you get older and you look back, like, ah, these weird kids are so great. Like, I love seeing this next generation come out whether it's like music that people that i'm seeing or just the you know the the millennials and even like the gen wires that are kind of coming of age now they're just i love how they're just weird like maybe it's like this indigo child thing that that people talk about but you know i think that what makes you weird what you think is weird is really your superpower because what makes you weird is what makes you different and what makes you different makes you special and what makes you special is your superpower so like be weird like if you have a weird quirk like own it and you're afraid to do that because you're afraid to stand out but i promise you people are going to love you for your weird quirks and that's going to get you so much further than just trying to be like everybody else oh yes absolutely own it and then Honestly, it kind of takes people aback when you start to own something that might be out of the ordinary or something that is, ex- especially if it's something that's nonconformist. Like they, if you are owning something that really is out of these people's worlds, out of these people's perceptions of what they think their reality should be, if you just own that, then they suddenly, they do end up usually shifting and embracing that about you. Exactly. And like, look back at all the people that, maybe you you love like look at look at the artists that you love or the writers or the 
whatever it is now, Instagram, influencers, like whatever it might be. Like everyone's just like owning their truth and being themselves and like honesty, authenticity, like that stuff is so magical. Oh, so magical. That's so true. And it's just genius. It's owning your genius. So a personal question. You mentioned your beautiful girlfriend in the book. What role has the ego played in challenging your relationship and how have you helped each other let go of shit that your egos say? Oh, wow. That's a can of worms. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give you a secret. I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a secret. Um, I love it. (laughs) um, So I am finishing my next book. And the the name of- You heard it here, guys. You heard it here first. The title is- the awkward journey back to the heart. And I love that. And it gets into some relationship stuff. So <laughs> all I'll say is the girlfriend that is in shit your ego says, um, we are no longer together. And my next book goes through all of what you just said, all of the ego um, stuff that comes into relate to a relationship and how challenging it can be and how much of a growth experience it can be. So that's going to be a whole book. And the good news is I am in a new relationship, um, not new anymore, but new um, from the book. And um, I will say that relationships are a great teacher because you need to show up for someone every day and um you know it's you can judge your own I, there's this quote by um the singer krishna das who i love and he has a quote that says if you want to know if you're making progress on your path you know see if you are being kinder to people and that is an indication of progress so you can do that in a relationship like is relationship good? Is is the other person happy? Um, and you can measure your own progress to how kind and understanding you're being with with the other. Super important. Love that. What a great teaser to your upcoming book, too. Yeah, there may be some some breakup stuff in there. <laughs> mm, well, <laughs> well, congrats on that, by the way. Thank you. Are you ready for some rapid fire? Let's do it. Let's do it. Are you a morning or night person? I have recently become a morning person because I love to write in the morning. I wake up uh, early, make a big pot of herba mate and write. And that's because um, before the day can get a hold of me and a hold of my thoughts, there's this feeling of kind of opening up and awakening. And I love to put that feeling of opening up and awakening into my writing. Yes. Do you have a writing routine? Yeah. Um, I mean, every day, herba mate, um, big pot, sit in the same place and and just go. And I don't give myself any deadlines. Like I'm, I'm not... I'm not like these one of these word count people like I need to do a thousand words every day. I don't <laughs> I don't like I don't like that. What yeah. I do and I swear to God what I do is I sit down and I look at the page and I listen to what comes through me. Mm. And that's why I do it in the morning because in the morning you're kind of an open channel 
Oh, absolutely. So I'm not really like thinking about what I'm writing. I'm allowing it to flow through me. And that's the practice. It's like somewhere between downloading and meditation and and writing all at once. I love that. No pressure too. No pressure to have to crank out, you know, just whatever. No, I want, because I want to love, I I, I, want to love every sentence. Like I, I won't put out. I won't publish a sentence that I don't love. Like I'm a, mm-hmm. I really do love good writing. So if I write, if I spend all morning and I write a paragraph, one paragraph that I really love, that's a success. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm on the same page as you truly. <laughs> and that's because I came from poetry. So I wrote, um, I started writing when I was 13 and I wrote poetry every day throughout all of my teens and the magic of poetry is that it's so well crafted and and you know that like i love the the feeling and and getting every word right mm-hmm. so i'm oh, i yes. try to apply that idea of poetry to anything that i write mm, that's why you're a great writer i can see it your whole book was poetic Thank and you. full of metaphors, like I shared in the beginning. I know that it's going to be a book that the listeners are going to want to read because they're very creative and they love, they follow poetry. They love poetry. It sparks their interest indeed. So you're truly the best person to talk to right now. So cool. Um, so cool. Dog or cat person? You know, I always wanted a dog. We never had a dog growing up. We had We had a cat. I have lived with several cats throughout my life never never lived with a dog so I think I'm a dog person because I've always wanted to (laughs) but I've never had the chance to have a dog (laughs) so I'm I'm a cat person until I get get a chance to prove otherwise (laughs) I love it (laughs) (laughs) you'll get that dog you'll get that dog they're great um strawberry chocolate vanilla or neapolitan yeah you know classic you know, chocolate's pretty great because that that mm. the whole the whole cacao thing is pretty cool. <laughs> the cacao thing is pretty cool. Have you done a cacao ceremony? I haven't, but I want to. Me too. <laughs> the cacao thing's pretty cool. It's like, it's like a it's like a superfood, right? <laughs> it is like a superfood. That's, definitely. That's pretty cool. It definitely is. <laughs> so, like a raw chocolate ice cream. That does sound magical. You know I, what? I don't know if that exists, but that should exist. It does. Oh, I've had it. My yeah. the, my true answer would be peanut butter if that was a possibility, though. Because I'm a, I'm <laughs> that a, was not an I'm option. A, I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> I am too, actually. I think that I really want to meet the person that invented peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, even if it has to be after this lifetime, just because he's truly a genius. I know. You got to thank them. Yeah, so much. Um, favorite place in the world? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Hawaii. Yes, I really am. You used to live what island? Uh, you know, I I'm rather partial to Maui. All right. I mean, where did you say you used to live somewhere? You know, you used to live there. Oh, me? Yes, I lived on Kauai. I lived on Oahu then Kauai, and I'm definitely moving back. I don't know which island yet, but I'm I'm missing her. She's calling me. Yeah, she's in my dreams all the time. It really is the heart tracker of the world, like they say. And I will tell you something else about my next book. Oh, tell me. There are three sections. Um, the the middle section is all all, all of it takes place on Maui. 
Really? Oh my gosh. So, I wonder if this was a message to me because I couldn't figure out which island and I've been asking mm, and so perhaps Maui. So there was, the, the book is structured in, as kind of the hero's journey. So there's the beginning is separation. The middle section is uh, healing. And the third sec- section is return, returning back to the world after the healing. So the, oh, the, the nice. full middle section of the book is about my own healing that took place on the island of Maui. Oh, beautiful. James, I'm so excited to dive in and read it. Yeah, the nature there is amazing. When is it coming out? Um, don't know yet. I'm taking my time. Uh, it's, yeah. it's done, but I have a lot of editing to do. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Take your time. <laughs> um, book you're currently reading, if any. Uh, yes, I am reading. Um, there is an author I've been meaning to read for a long time who recently passed away, which inspired me to finally read his work. Uh, his name is Thomas Wolfe. He, he was like an old school New Yorker um, who wore flamboyant white suits. And he wrote a book in 1968 called The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, where he was acting as a journalist and he lived in San Francisco with these crazy hippies who called themselves the Merry Pranksters, who were led by a writer named Ken Kesey. And he followed them along as they drove this psychedelic colored bus across the country, giving everyone that they met LSD. Oh my gosh, that is so crazy. I need to read, this is my kind of book. That sounds so interesting. Yeah, and it's a true story. So it's a really good time capsule of that kind of um, mid-60s psychedelic. Yes, um, that era. Yep. Wow. Yep. Because, oh my gosh, to hear their experiences. And it's funny because he's a very conservative guy. The writer is this straight-laced, Upper East Side, New York conservative who wore white suits so it's funny to see his description of these wild characters. Amazing. Yeah. Favorite movie? I want to say the first movie that comes to mind is Pulp Fiction. Ah, yes. That's many people's. I think Tarantino just does great work with storytelling and through, um, you know, it's overly dramatic, but I kind of like that. <laughs> pretty dark (laughs) it's dark i know it's weird but like sometimes dark movies are good like my other favorite movie is called um apocalypse now which is uh, from the 70s and it's like um i've heard of it yeah it's like a vietnam war movie but it's really this this journey into the 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 speaking of a journey into the unknown that's what it is it's this, this journey into the the darkness of the unknown and kind of the mysteries that emerge on that journey. I already know the next answer uh, to this question, Mm -hmm. but might as well just ask, what did you want to be when you grew up when you were a child? Well, like you, like you said, and I said (laughs) in my book, my first, you know, dream was to become a dinosaur or to at least, (laughs) or at least to hang out with them because um, I was, thought they were pretty cool. And then I love that you said a triceratops, but a T-saurus rex would do too. I'll I'll settle for a T-Rex. You know, triceratops are pretty, (laughs) my favorite, but um, I really wanted to be a basketball player. Yeah. Uh, I practiced every day. Like that, the, the basketball court was my first sanctuary or my first, um, before I knew what meditation was and before I ever meditated, like I would be alone on a court in the evening, shooting the basketball and 
there's something very meditative about that. Wow, that's beautiful. You meditated young, huh? No, um, oh. a little bit in um, in in high school. Um, that's young. Not a lot of. I mean, we do actually have a lot of high school listeners, and it's becoming more known now. But I don't even think I really knew what meditating was until I really needed it. Yeah, I found. <laughs> I think it was not a lot, but in in high school, I discovered um, Zen through the work of Jack Kerouac, the the beat writer. Uh, he was a um, he was a Buddhist in the in the forties, you know, when when there was very few American Buddhists, and he wrote about it. So, I thought, hey, I'll, I'm, I might as well give this a try. And then I kind of explored some Zen writings and some haikus, and re- was really drawn to the the Zen philosophy. Mm, I love that. That's so great. At such a young age, too. Amazing. No wonder you've had this journey. <laughs> <laughs> so. The universe, James, gave you free billboards to share one message across the main highways in major cities all around the world. What would these billboards read? What you feel is more important than what you think. Mm, Oh, absolutely. Amen to that. Yes, always. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Way more important than what you think. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to create your own magic? To be yourself. It's effortless. Yeah. I mean, when, you, when you are truly being yourself and acting according to your own nature, that is your own magic. It's, I, don't, I don't think it's something that you need to learn to do. It's something you need to unlearn whatever it is that's stopping you from being that. Ooh, to unlearn, unlearn. and embrace your weirdness. Own it. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> own it. I <laughs> love it. James, I am so thankful we had this conversation. So am I. This has been... Oh, I loved this. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Where can everyone connect with you? I'm really kind of an Instagram guy right now. Like I said, I deleted my Facebook. I'm trying to keep it simple. So my yeah. in, my Instagram is uh, at shit your ego says. And the book so is great. the same name. So you can find the book on Amazon and you can find me on, uh, on Instagram. And um, that's my story. I love that's my story. Yeah. <laughs> I love that handle too. That's so great. You got that. Mm-hmm. So everybody go send uh Insta story to shit your ego says. Do it. What you loved about this episode. Do it. All right, James. And, and I love you. you. And, I, and I'll just say I love your podcast too. I love the energy you're putting out there into the world. I, I, I have listened to it before and um, I think that you're, you know, you're creating some great magic of your own. Oh my gosh, James, that really means the world. Seriously. Wow. Thank you so much for listening to the, some episodes. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate your time, of course. Thank you. Soul tribe, yummies, yum fries. <laughs> oh man. Thank you so much for lending your ear. If you like this episode and you have a friend in mind who could use this message, please follow that impulse and spread the magic. And if you're interested in discovering self-exploration tools for your soul, well, I invite you to join the Soul Tribe exclusive site at yourownmagic.life where I have many meditative imaginings and journalings and magic challenges and more for $4.44 per month. (laughs) $4.44. 
And you can receive a little teaser if you rate and review the podcast. I'll just send you a meditative imagining to your inbox. Plus, you'll be entered for a chance to win $150 worth of Hum giveaway products. What? And so just send a screenshot of your rate and review to hello at your own magic.life. Anyways, I love you all so much. Thank you for being a light in this tribe and have a magical day. <laughs>